Coming up today, we're going to be talking about change. It is the beginning of a new year, right? So everyone is making New Year's resolutions about how to change themselves. But what about changing your spouse? Is that something you should uh, even try to do to them? I would actually say, no, that's a death wish. We're going to be talking about it coming up on the Matt Townsend Show right after the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. House Speaker John Boehner will keep his position as Speaker for the next two years thanks to a vote today. There was some speculation he would be voted out after the recent strenuous fiscal cliff negotiations. The Senate Intelligence Committee has announced an investigation into the CIA access given to the makers of the new film Zero Dark Thirty. Some lawmakers have been criticizing the film for its depictions of torture and want to understand why they were included. FEMA is warning Congress that if more funds aren't approved soon, the flood insurance program will run completely out of money to pay claims to victims of both Hurricane Sandy and other disasters. Kids from Sandy Hook Elementary began their first day of classes since the horrific shooting last month today. The district has converted a formerly closed middle school into a new elementary school for the students. A new NASA study says our Milky Way galaxy is most likely home to at least 100 billion alien planets, which means there is at least one planet orbiting every star we know of. The conclusion follows new discoveries about planet formation. A U.S. drone strike has killed Pakistani militant leader Mullah Nazir, who was responsible for providing men and aid to the Taliban in Afghanistan. However, his role in Pakistan was seen as a peacekeeper, and his death could further strain relations. As part of an effort to diminish the Assad regime's ability to launch airstrikes, rebel forces in Syria are battling to seize control of a northern airbase, which is a major link between Damascus and the nation's economic hub, Aleppo. Twenty-seven Shiite pilgrims returning from a religious rite were killed today when a suicide car bomber targeted the bus station they were at in an Iraqi city about 40 miles from the capital, Baghdad. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Happy New Year to you. I hope uh, you recovered from the holidays, because if not, you know, we're going to show you how to do it. Today, we're talking change, and, uh, you know, we all have people we want to change in our lives. Uh, In-laws, family, friends, neighbors, spouses, co-workers. (laughs) As you look at Bryce, co-workers. (laughs) Bryce won't look at me. I'm just staring right at him. He's pretending I I can't. I feel like you're leading somewhere with this. No? No, I'm not. Not? I just just missed you guys. Oh. It's like when I'm at the dinner table with my family, we don't have this repartee, this banter back and forth. Pretty boring. Yeah. Well, it's because you shouldn't talk with your mouth full. I always found that to be very irritating to me. Is that why like, you what? just... Could we, you... Don't, we don't talk around the table. It's because we're eating. So what is it? Do you well, want you, us to talk? You or... don't talk, but you like make those funny noises. Like, nyom, nyom. Uh, that nice nyom. smacking, chewing noise. Mm-hmm. No, that's terrible. It's scary. Uh, Well, welcome to the show. Today, uh, of course, this is the uh, Matt Townsend Show. What we do on the show is we like to 
give you the tools, the ideas, the solutions, what you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Uh, our goal is to help you, uh, you know, pick up your human game because it's hard to be human. And if you haven't noticed, nobody teaches you how to do it. I've just noticed that because my children apparently have never learned. There's a lot of rules about humans that you don't learn until you're in a car for hours with each other. And then you're like, no, we don't do that. Like no poking your sister. Yeah. Get off your brother. <laughs> Quit beating on your brother. And, and then I have one child that knows how to work all of the rest of the kids. Because he's like, he'll just scream. Ah! And then I caught him screaming when no one was touching him. And then we took him to therapy. <laughs> and we realized that he's just a really smart kid that knows that if he yells and screams, then we'll get mad at the other brother. It's brilliant. You know, I figured that out a long time ago. Did you? Yeah, my yeah. kid was 18 when he figured it out. <laughs> so it's sad, but he'll have a huge advantage in, in college, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's always funny, too, when uh, the voice changes, but the wine yeah. doesn't. No, so yeah. instead of being, Mom, it's kind of, oh, Mom. <laughs> well, I have a son that's voice has always been low. So when he was a baby, he would cry like, Ugh. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, man, honey, your dad's calling. Your dad's crying. (laughs) Anyway, he's like his mother. Cutest can be with the deepest voice you've ever seen. So uh, on the show, we like to we like to just give you some tools, some ideas. We always start with the human headlines. This is everything that's going on. The goings on. Is that a word? I'm sure it will be, Matt, just because he said goings on. That uh, doesn't even make sense. Uh, uh, what's going on with humans around the world? The good, the bad, the ugly. Anybody got headlines for us? Yes. What? Well, speaking of humans, here's a really tiny human. What? Um, so apparently there's this photo going around. It's become viral where it's a baby. Um, there was a C-section and the baby reached out and grabbed the doctor's finger. Okay. I've seen that in a movie. I've seen that in Alien. Have you seen Alien? That was freaky. Well, it wasn't human, though. Oh. Was it, though? I think, I think that makes a big difference between it being a tender experience and a traumatic experience. Oh, like a cute little chubby baby hand yes. reached out and grabbed. The picture has a picture of the doctor in his gloves, and he's holding the doctor's finger. Mm-hmm. Just reached out and grabbed the little finger. Yeah, so... Um, That's cute. The baby was born on October 9th, and yeah, so it was a C-section, and so... Um, before the baby even got out, it just poked out the hand oh, and grabbed neat. the doctor's okay, finger. True story. My daughter did that similarly, truly. But the doctor didn't think it was cute. He's like, oh, she's reaching for the credit card. That's what she said. Dead on. Dead right. <laughs> and she's been reaching for that card ever since. Doc nailed it from day one. Nailed it. See, I would have thought, oh, that's cute. She wants to hold my hand. But no, he was reaching. I think actually a doctor mentioned that. Once they said that uh, you you know when a, a baby boy is born they they have little fists and it's very symbolic of the battles they're going to have to fight in the world to to be a dad and be a provider and have you know you know from an evolutionary standpoint yeah. you know, and then uh, uh, the girls. baby girl it's it's not quite a fist it's kind of this almost close thing just like about a... just about wide enough open for a credit card <laughs> I you know I don't think there's anything academic hey, I, there. I, don't blame me it was a doctor who but told on here me that she joke. was just she just grabbed the doctor's finger and uh-huh. just was just wanted had apparently a oh, pretty cute. good hold so, it yeah. was a girl that did that mm-hmm. her name is uh, Nevea Atkins so the name is heaven spelled backwards. Nevea, heaven backwards. What is heaven's backwards? Nevea. 
That's the spelling. What anyway? There's weird <laughs> symbolism there. But um, that is that's a cute story, isn't it? See, uh-huh. now that is a cute kid. How do you keep the kid cute when they get older? Hmm. It just doesn't happen. I just I just got what you were saying there. Yeah. Heaven backwards, is, opposite of heaven. New nickname from the child is two. Yeah. And definitely not heavenly. Spawn of darkness. Um, so thankfully they outgrow that. Yeah. It's just a baby thing. So guess what's, guess what is the hot trend in Asia? Not iPhones. I'm sure they are too, but there's a hotter trend. Did any of you have, uh, braces growing up? Yep. I needed braces. I Did had, you? uh, Dracula fangs and I'm not kidding. Do your it teeth was really look great cool. now really... though? Well, that was thanks to braces. Seriously. Did you have braces, Bryce? Yep. It was awful. Were they called Bryce's? No, but I see what you did there. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> the doom. Boom. But seriously, folks. <laughs> so you had Bryce's. I, <laughs> I like did. From it, it, no, that's more Australian, I yeah, think. Yeah, it is. That is Bryce's. Uh, tell me about them. Did you wear a headgear? Actually... You had a headgear. No, I can can see the indentation. (laughs) No, I don't think I did. I did have to do the rubber bands. Did you? I did. That was bad. My son had a rubber band problem. He got ill and then uh, threw up. I don't Uh, know if that's uh, good to talk about. A few rubber bands. But but he lost a bunch of rubber bands. (laughs) And he talked like this. But So you had them. I did. Would you ever in your wildest dream think that somebody would get braces Fake braces. They're not even real. Just to glue on your face so that you could have the status symbol of looking like you have braces. Well, isn't that grills? That is grills. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but that's like a poor man grill. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, I mean, a real grill would have a diamond in it, right? Yeah. Braces don't look good. That's the problem. No, but apparently in Asia, they're selling like hotcakes. Fake braces. They're black market braces. You pay about 100 bucks a pop. I'm assuming a pop is a whole set. And you just kind of glue them onto your teeth, and then you can adorn them with beautiful rubber bands. Isn't that all the downsides with none of the ups? I'm yeah, thinking about yeah. W-2s are coming out this month. Soon we'll be filling out 1040 forms. Yeah. It's kind of like saying, I want to sit down and do my taxes, but I didn't earn anything last no. year. I don't need to but file I just a want refund. To be here and with I'm you. not getting a refund, but I'm going to fill one out. That's anyway. exactly right. And they're actually sewn, they're sold. The non-medical fashion braces, they're called, are sold in local beauty shops. So not only can you go learn how to cut hair, but you can also be an orthodontist. <laughs> <laughs> I can do your hair or your teeth. Either or. Either or. It keeps the cost down. I it really, it's a one-stop shopping. But there are risks. you got to know there's risks to having fake braces on like you'll shock like this and you'll get your gums caught on them yeah that's like the worst part of the first month of braces well except that makes you look rich here's why they're doing it because an average set of braces in uh, Thailand is $1,200 which is honestly a steal because my I'm getting ripped because my braces <laughs> right. are so I'm much more money thinking, than that. Let's see, ten years ago, braces. How what does much? it cost to go to Thailand? Because I could very easily get to Thailand and get less. Apparently, we did braces. it wrong. We should have gone to Thailand. But we also got a, a we got a bottle, a water bottle with our orthodontist name on it. Oh, yeah, I guess it's totally worth. It. And you know what? Very good liquid. You can put cold liquid in it, and it stores the cold liquid for a an abundant amount of time. And if you ever need to call the orthodontist to make a follow-up appointment, the number's right on the bottle. Oh. <laughs> it's right on the bottle, as is the hair stylist. Yeah. It's all one shot. 
<laughs> anyway, that's kind of crazy. I used to think braces were funny, but apparently it's a status symbol. You know, you could have a car or braces. Yep. Take your pick. Good stuff. Who else has got newsage? Hey Matt, I hey. know I know you hey, keep Bryce. up. Prices. <laughs> you I know you keep up with Aurora, Illinois. Yes, love the place. Love it. Well, guess what? By the way, how's the crime level there? Um first homicide-free year since, wait for it, 1946. <gasps> really? Right? I, homicide-free. No one no one was murdered in Aurora this year. This year. Last year. Illinois. Yeah, this last year. I'm Aurora, Illinois. A, t- a town so close to Chicago could... Which, that actually is the impressive huge. part. That's impressive. Not to badmouth Chicago, but they're not exactly known for not well, being crime-free. It's a major world city. Yeah. L.A., New York, Chicago. It's Well, maybe they're also altering their borders, so it's actually... There have been homicides, <laughs> but they've just redistricted. Well, they, they, like uh, our Congress d- d- What do they call that? Incorporation? They yeah. disincorporate yeah. They, they, yeah, every they part of the city that somebody. had a murder in it. Keep the uh, Sorry, down. Was there a murder on the street? Ugh, you're unincorporated. No, uh, apparently, here's what they did. Um, one of the big things that they feel has really made a change for them, they had cops, police officers would go and speak with the family members, so the parents, of people who they knew were gang members. They would talk with them. Oh. Kind of, kind of, you know... Kind I'm, not, of like, I'm not sure what the conversations well, preventative. were. Well, preventative. Preventative, yeah. I bet they, they invited him to a barbecue. Maybe, exactly. Instead of a drive-by. Exactly. So and, instead of driving by and shooting at us, come on over. Yeah. We're having steaks Thursday. So what did they do? They got mom to guilt trip. And That's there you a go. cool idea. There you go. That's proactive. Exactly. That's community policing. Why wait for the guilt trip when you can make the guilt trip happen? Ah, profound. An even bigger story on top of that, too, is you think... Oh, it's just a city having its once in a blue moon year where they had no murders. But it sounds like they actually did something about it. Yeah. It was legitimate I think outcome that's cool. from action. That's that's really good. Hey, I got one more. Uh, and then I know Robbie's got one. Um, how would you like to be out as a pilot, just Florida man, flying around in your airplane? And as you're flying around, you know, where would you want to fly? So if you're just going on a little flight around your city, what would you want to fly over? Uh, if I were in Florida, no, uh, no. If you were flying around, if I was your city, my city, Provo, Utah. Uh, <laughs> what about uh, back in Texas? Is there how about let's let's see, over? Dallas. I'd love to fly over. I don't know the the cityscape. Okay, you know, there's the one building that has the hole in it. I don't know. What yeah, you're not is. even close. No. Um, you these guys. He wanted to fly over his house. So he flies over his house. And while he's flying over his house, he catches a thief in his backyard. Oh, right. And he noticed a silver truck with a white camper in his driveway. And he also noticed that people were looking into his windows and that they were trying to pull out uh, of his driveway with his red trailer. They were stealing his stuff. So what do you do? Get on your cell phone, call 911. And then do a high speed chase. Right. No. <laughs> you just you just go barrel in and you 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 just barrel roll down into your backyard. No, he uh-huh. called the police and the police caught him and they found a man with a loaded rifle and bullets in his truck. Suspicion of theft. I don't know. Dive bombing your own house could be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that'd be <laughs> You're really cool. You're beaking on the windows. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Get let my dog alone. It's almost like I don't know if you could even make that noise, but let's say like you had. Like a bad motor on one side, and you pulled it, and it sounded yeah. like a machine gun. You could oh. like go close, <laughs> do, 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 do. like that, like um, cops. What was the name of that show? Where the guy, the cop, had a. Oh, I know you know. Police Academy. Oh, in Police Academy, 
where they just the guy just had a walkie-talkie and he'd made gun oh, sounds oh, and scared everybody. I know that guy's name. Mm-hmm. Can't remember it right now, of course, when I actually need to use it. But yeah, that's all right. Look it up and okay. then get back to us next week. Okay. Uh, now, Robbie, you got a story for us, I hear. Okay, so we're in the post 9/11 world, and sometimes in an effort to combat terrorism, there are ad campaigns that are, you know, a little bit, what's the kind of mildly Orwellian saying that you'll see on the bus or at the airport? See something, say something, right? Oh, that's scary. That's, that's, that's the world, I don't, that's the world we live in now. That. Akron City Hall. This was, this was last fall. This isn't new, but it was just, this was too good not to mention to you. You come to work, you, you work for the city council, and near the city council chambers, night or two after the meeting, you see this this uh, metal pipe that's sitting there, just on the ground. Yeah, in the meeting room. Uh, next to it. Okay. Look a little bit suspicious too. Pipe bomb. Is it a big pipe? In fact, the uh, pipe bomb says "natural hunka kaboom." <laughs> it was a real pipe bomb. What do you do? Well, if it you, says you, you'd call that in, see some, say something, right? Not if it says hunk of kaboom. Well, first thing is I would check it and see if it's just a like a gas station burrito. Yeah, no, I, this thing's those pr- are major pretty, pipe pretty bombs. long. It's it's <laughs> probably about uh, four feet long and okay. a few inches no. wide. So, what you do, so we're talking gas station burrito. That's what yeah. I'm catching here. What you do is you know you have one of your fellow councilmen go check it out, and you're like, hey, go hand me that hunk of kaboom. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go touch is that, that a, with your. Is that a burrito? <laughs> go check out that burrito. What did they do? Well, in another related story, there was a gentleman who, who came to a meeting, and uh, he got to security. And they Jimmy Hunkakaboom. They, they, they said, oh, sir, you can't take your uh, cane in. You have to leave it. So he left it. Cane had his name on it. He forgot to get it. Mm. <laughs> That's right. This man who had made his own cane out of a shower curtain See. rod, the same type of stuff you'd make a pipe bomb out of, was named Natural Hunkakaboom. And wow. because of his last Natural name, it evacuated City Hall because they found something that looked like a pipe bomb that said kaboom See, on it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to call that an overreaction. Uh, no. no, 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 no. That is why you cannot have people making canes. I, lo- I love the line in uh, Ohio.com who uh, posted this. They said, the sticks discovery at 8.30 a.m. coupled with kaboom's explosive name caused enough of a panic that dozens of workers had to evacuate. I he bet. walks in and picks up his cane and walks out. Yeah, what's your problem? I think it's. I think it just tells you a lot about how you know, sk- you know, skittish we are, yeah. and how anti old people with canes we are. That's probably very true. Have you ever been hit by one of those canes? No, Unpleasant. But I have been hit by an old person. Okay. Well. Uh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> anyway, Story. we're talking uh, change today. Now, these guys, I'm sitting in the midst of a bunch of singles that have, are dataholics. And nobody tries to change more people that they date than these three. So today on the show, we're talking about dating, not dating, we're talking about love. And should you try to change the people you love? Or should they try to change you? Or should they just change because they need to be changed? Well, that's what see when, when here's the true story. My wife would say you never changed the baby. And I would say I didn't know the baby needed to be changed. And she's like, "How could you not know? It's obvious." 
and we'd fight about that. And then um, if and then it got into like if you loved the baby, you would change the baby. And so I got into thinking that change means love. Oh, yeah, association right there. Backfired because apparently we're not supposed to change our spouse or the people you're dating. Apparently, I guess we're just supposed to put up with their crazy things that drive us nuts. Huh. We're going to talk about it today. Okay. And we're going to find out from an expert. Wally Goddard is going to be joining us. Wally uh, is a marriage and family expert. He is going to give us the tools. That was Rob on the audio there. Rob's a little, little jumpy today. Skyler's not back yet. I know. Skyboy is still offended by the Spurs game when the Jazz <laughs> beat him. Anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun when that comes in, when Skyboy comes in and finally comes back. Uh, we're going to come back, talk about change. Should you actually try to change the people around you? Or should you just grin and bear it? We're listening. Uh, we're going to be talking about it coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. From hypersonic spaceship hulls to your next barbecue grill. Hmm. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. We started our story at the end, or what we thought was the end. It was a terrific product without a home. Developed at NASA's Ames Research Center in the early 1990s, PCCM was a very thin, ceramic-based coating designed for protecting the hull of the X-33 Venture Star space plane. But that test bed rocket never made a single flight. Design problems grounded the X-33 in its infancy, along with its advanced thermal coating system, while the search for a space shuttle replacement went on. About 10 years later, the Wessex Corporation looking for ways to insulate furnaces and boilers more efficiently, found and licensed the NASA-developed coating, tweaked and perfected into a commercial product called EmiShield. It's finding hundreds of uses in industrial heating applications, making furnaces and ovens, refineries, and solar power plants more efficient and ecologically cleaner. The company is still expanding uses for the spaceship coating, including consumer ovens and barbecues. While the X-33 story ended early, the story of Emmy Shield thermal protection coating is just beginning. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Whether it's media's role in politics, electronic music, finding your focus, or life in Japan, Kim Power Stilson will discuss it on her show, Talkworthy. She brings you thought-provoking stories and interviews that will fascinate, educate, and entertain you. Tune in to Talkworthy Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern to hear what Kim Stilson has found Talkworthy today. Only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. A little bit of John Mayer there, waiting on the world to change. BT sitting here with me, Bryce Tobin. How you doing, Bryce? Are you uh, are you wait? Yeah, push that button. Are you waiting for the world to change for you, Bryce? I am. You I, can't get over those braces thing. I really can't. Like, okay, I, I get it. You know, having braces means you got money. Having nice teeth when you're older means you weren't poor growing up. 
I get that. Okay. What, is, what does it mean if you have braces, and but your teeth are still nasty, ugly after? Then you didn't wear your retainer, and you're not a very responsible person. Or you got them done at the salon. <laughs> or you got them done at the salon. It just baffles me that people would put themselves through all of the bad, all the bad part of yeah. braces. You like the tax gum, thing. Like yeah, the tax thing. <laughs> you're getting your gums torn up. You're, you have the weird-looking teeth. You're going to chew some gum, and you're going to get it all yeah. stuck in the— if You're you, going to mess up your if gum. anyone experienced that, you know how awful that is. So I've never done it, so I actually would like to do it. You'd like to experience As that. As a child, I used to put uh, tinfoil on my teeth. Ah, and then when you still have the metal fillings? Yeah, and it hurt really ah, bad. Really bad. And I'd go tell my mom, Mom, this tinfoil really hurts on my teeth. <laughs> and and she'd, she'd say, that's my son. Take it off, you dummy. So I learned that. But um, I think everyone wants that. I used to try to wear my sister's headgear, and I didn't even have any head to gear. It's, you didn't have the little hooks in your I teeth. Was, I had no hooks. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting deal. Now, Bryce, we haven't had a rant from you for years. Well, for, for at least a year. For at least. Since last year, we have not oh. heard you rant. Oh, there's that. <laughs> this is that week where we get those jokes, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? This is the only time it's it going to work. It was the day before. Mm-hmm. It was New Year's Day yeah. or New Year's Eve where everyone's yeah. like, see you next year. Yeah. And you're like, I need new friends. But I know you've got one here because you've got a rant for us. Your, your question is very simple. What does a guy have to do to get a date around here? And you got a little rant for us. I do. Boom. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. When I finally got serious about dating, I thought I had this great idea. At the time, I'd noticed a lot of couples ran into issues adjusting to each other. So my grand idea was that instead of waiting for this problem to happen, I would do my homework, figure out what the girl liked and didn't like, and become that sort of person before we ever really started dating. Now, I don't think there was anything wrong with me doing a little investigating into the person. It's always a good plan to get an idea of what you may be getting yourself into. There's nothing worse than that moment when, surprise, you just realized you've attached yourself to a crazy person. But ultimately, I do think my plan to pre-change was problematic from the start. Here's a few examples why. So there was this one girl who really liked the local music scene where I lived. Like, I mean, she really liked it. She would buy their CDs, listen to the songs, and memorize the lyrics, and then go to their shows and lose her mind. But these bands were mostly small fry material. For most of them, this was just a fun hobby for the weekends. Some others had aspirations to become something big, but you can trust me, that was never going to happen. And if you didn't know, the local bands in areas tend to take on their own sort of genre or flavor. Well, this city's genre of choice was nothing but irritating to me. But I wasn't thinking straight, I really liked this girl. So before I began to woo her, I delved into the local music scene. I got to know the venues, the bands, the songs, a little bit of the histories, and the band members' names, and just about everything else. And you know what? I hated every second of it. But my hatred was numbed by my infatuation. The music was awful, but I listened to it again and again. Then once I started dating this girl, I had to keep it up. Within my first impressions, I had made it seem like I was into the bands around town, and it had been a central theme to our conversations. Without it, so far we had little on which we could relate. Thankfully, that relationship fell apart, and I no longer had to deal with those atrocious bands. But the entirety of that experience is one big unpleasant memory, and at the time, I had no idea why. To this day, anytime one guy begins playing his one guitar and starts singing at me about his feelings, I get a little angry. 
A while later, there was this other girl. The only word I can think of to describe her is an anti-amerophile. I don't even know if that's really a word, but she didn't like anything that came from the United States, and she liked just about everything that came from everywhere else, especially European things. The result was that she really liked poetry and depressing movies that didn't make any sense. So what did I do? I started learning about poetry and French films. And you know what? I didn't like poetry before I met this girl. And after a lot of work, I still don't understand poetry, and I still don't like it. Anytime she would give me a piece of poetry, to read, every scenario worked out just about the same way. She'd hand it to me, it'd be about seven lines long, nothing rhymed, there were no complete sentences, and I didn't get it. Then I would get to the end, I would open my eyes wide and nod my head to signify that I had finished reading. Then she would ask, did you get it? And I would panic and start frantically searching for something, just anything that I could pick out of the piece. And of course, there was nothing. So I would just start making stuff up until she started talking and then she would take over and I was off the hook. I'm pretty sure she thought I was an idiot. And while I can certainly appreciate a movie that doesn't have the nice, tidy Hollywood happy ending, she watched some really weird movies that never seemed to make much sense. But there was nothing I could do. I had set myself up as a guy who was interested in poetry and enjoyed a nice foreign film. If I were to suddenly not be this person, the relationship would dismantle. Unsurprisingly, that relationship fell to pieces all on its own. But when I look back on that time in my life, I associate those months with feeling totally and completely lost. Eventually, I realized my plan to pre-change in a relationship was faulty. I kept setting myself up as someone I couldn't continue to be, and I would eventually burn out. Needless to say, it was time for a change of plan. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Loved it. So you were you had this quandary: should you pre-change or post-change? And I, I still don't know if I have an answer for that. Well, I guess don't pre-change. Easy. Don't pre-change. That was a mess. I'm going to shoot straight with you. Okay. You don't need to change. You're perfect just the way you are. Oh, that's so sweet, Matt. Anyway, uh, go get me a drink. <laughs> so, um, no, honestly. Change. It's a big deal. Should we be dating these people? I had a client come in today, and she's ready to marry him, except she just got six things she needs him to change. Oh. And once once he changed those six things, boom, we're getting married. And I'm like, okay, so you want to marry somebody you don't currently have right now? So so it's kind of like she doesn't want to marry him. No, she wants she wants to what marry... he she wants to marry his potential. Oh. But who doesn't want to marry potential? So when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Wally Goddard. From the Family Life Extension at the University of Arkansas, he really is a guru when it comes to relationships. He and his wife, Nancy, have been joyously married for 41 years. He's going to teach us about whether we should change, expect change in others, or just start to accept people that uh, that we love. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Let's be honest, sometimes it's just better to take things slow. So relax and enjoy the in-depth interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Speaker of the House John Boehner was re-elected to that position for two more years today. There was some speculation he would be voted out after his much-criticized negotiations with President Obama over the fiscal cliff. 
Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is set to return to work next week after receiving treatment for a blood clot in her head that formed after she sustained a concussion last month. Her doctors say she will make a full recovery. FEMA is warning Congress that if more funds aren't approved soon, the flood insurance program will run completely out of money to pay claims to victims of both Hurricane Sandy and other disasters. Environmental protection groups are calling on President Obama to suspend oil drilling in Alaskan waters after the dangerous incident earlier this week where a shell oil rig ran aground after its towing lines had to be gut cut due to harsh weather conditions. Kids from Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut, begin their first day of classes since the horrific shooting last month today. The district has converted a formerly closed middle school into a new elementary school for the students. A prominent Pakistani militant leader has been killed by a U.S. drone strike. Mullah Nazir was a supporter of the Taliban efforts in Afghanistan, but was seen as a peacekeeper in his own country. His death could further strain U.S.-Pakistani relations. As part of an effort to diminish the Assad regime's ability to launch airstrikes, rebel forces in Syria are battling to seize control of a northern airbase, which is a major link between Damascus and the nation's economic hub, Aleppo. Twenty-seven Shiite pilgrims returning from a religious rite were killed today when a suicide car bomber targeted the bus station they were at in an Iraqi city about 40 miles from the capital, Baghdad. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. No, you can't. That is the answer. That is from the killers. Change your mind uh, by the killers there. Now, here's the deal. You can't change their mind. You can try. You can beg. You can plead. You can try every little subtle, passive-aggressive way to get the people in your life to change. Or maybe you shouldn't even be focusing on them changing. Maybe there's another way around this. We're going to bring on now Dr. Wally Goddard, H. Wally Goddard. Uh, he is a professor of family life for the University of Arkansas Extension. He has created an award-winning program. You, you can actually see his program, I believe, on PBS. He's a well-received television series. He's written many popular books, and uh, Wally and his wife, Nancy, have been joyously married for 41 years. Wally, welcome to the program with us. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you. Good to have you again, our favorite uh, little you know, life marriage coach guy. Boy, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? Don't you love it? It's hard because apparently we loved our partner at some point, right? Yeah. And then they all of a sudden got imperfect on us. (laughs) Yeah, and our uh, efforts at spousal improvement haven't really paid off the way we thought they would. It's amazing. It's almost like they don't like us rejecting who they are. Oh, I think you're onto something there. I think you've got it. See, and I haven't even been married 41 years, Wally. Just 21. <laughs> Just 21. But you, That's a you, very good start. It, it is a great start. But it's it's kind of like, I mean, I have never seen somebody that loves their spouse trying to change them. Yet we just yeah, keep trying it and yeah. trying it and trying it. You know, we have a cultural mindset that we, we can fix anything. We We just are always trying to improve things. And sometimes, especially when we get frustrated with fixing ourselves, we turn our attention to patching up our partner. Yeah. And uh, boy, that just sets the wrong context for a healthy relationship. It does. And it seems like the illusion is, I guess it, it is an illusion, is that it would my life would just be better if they were more what I needed them to be for me. 
which, uh, of course, <laughs> it leaves is, you hanging, exactly though, doesn't it? <laughs> all about me. I, you're supposed to conform yourself to me and my needs. Right. And th- that premise in a relationship creates all kinds of trouble. Well, why would I ever have married you if I ever thought you wouldn't have served me in every way I needed? <laughs> it's it's yeah. so backwards, isn't it? Well, and you know, if, if we drink the Hollywood uh, Kool-Aid, yeah. we're sure going to get mixed up about relationships because virtually everything they represent in movies is utter nonsense. So the reality, fortunately, that comes from science is pretty different and, and I think very heartening. Yeah, what what is some of the research about this? Because you're right, Hollywood is setting us up like that we have this perfect soulmate, that they are the they are the completion of us. And yeah. they will fit perfectly and nicely, neatly, like a like a watch. Just a yeah, and the way you watch. know a relationship is a good one is everything just works out and it runs so smoothly. And it's really uh, a myth that sets us up for a lot of unhappiness when we think that somehow it's just supposed to magically work. And in contrast, what research says is that approximately 70% of what you don't like about your partner is never going to change. It just isn't going to change. What? Are you kidding me? You, you, I can hear all the truck drivers out there that are listening, just screeching, er, locking up their tires. What? So 70% of 70% what? 70% of what you don't like. About your partner. Yeah. Is never going to so, change. So my wife is 5'7". If I want her to be 5'9", <laughs> that's not going to change. You know, you could get her some shoes that are uh, got pretty tall heels, but... That's but interesting. Short though. of that, I think you're going to have a hard time making her five nine. Okay, so let's get into that because, like, what are the things? I mean, I guess that's like you're you're. And these are things you married. You married her family. You married her religion. You married yeah. her uh, her parents. You married her history, her background, her disposition. I mean, these are things that aren't easily changed. Well, let me let me give you an Legally. example. My uh, my wife, Nancy, is the kindest, gentlest person I have ever known, period, bar none. Hmm. She is simply the kindest person I've ever known. Now, a fairly astute uh, listener will say, ah, but, you know, that particular quality is also connected to certain challenges, as are all qualities. True. So, for instance, Nancy being so kind, so unselfish, so gentle, is also, mm, shall we say, indecisive. Mm. And sometimes what I want is somebody who is kind and gentle and sweet and unselfish and decisive. Yeah. In other words, I'm trying to remake not only Nancy, but the whole universe in my image. I'm trying to to get it to conform to my preferences. And, uh, you know, uh, Mother Nature doesn't cooperate. Well, that's why there are mail-order brides. <laughs> so you can go in completely naive that's and right. uh, not even know yeah. what you're getting. Well, because yeah, who would who solution. would lie on that system? <laughs> who would ever? But tell me this, because what's the downside of me getting someone like me? I mean, really? I mean, isn't that what people are thinking? Like, if I could get her to be just like me, there's no downside to that. Oh yeah, yeah. but that's messed up. Yeah, it is. And really what, what we want is probably not quite ourselves, no. but somebody who looks after us, takes care of us, meets all of our needs, and accommodates us. And that's really messed up because, well, it's a natural expectation and a widely held one. 
It just doesn't respect the other person. It really says, you're nothing but a robot that I will program to meet my needs. And as my needs evolve, I just expect to reprogram you. And uh, heaven forbid that I would make any accommodation. In other words, is my personal growth any part of the marriage agreement, the marriage formula, or or not? And of course right. I say it is. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, because we take the vow to love, honor, cherish through thick and thin, well, you know, yeah. rich and poor. We're yes. saying we'll take it all until, I guess, we face it, and then it's like, you know, you need to change. Yeah, and there's that, if we return to that part that we don't like, that 70% of what we don't like that's not going to change, we can talk about it, we can go to therapy for it, we can read books to try to conquer it, and the reality is we can just get more and more upset about it, and maybe even worse yet is more focused on it. It becomes the thing we think about, the thing we worry about, is that part that we really want to change in our partner. And uh, the net effect of that, of course, is just more and more and we discontent. Keep, yeah, we see where it's not being met. It's not being met. And do you see this? I mean, is this an American thing? Is this a Western civilization thing? Because it seems like there's some cultures where the mindset isn't... Um, based in this this myth that you're going to go find this perfect partner. I mean, you know what I mean? There's there's some there's some cultures where you're going to have to you make it work. You figure it yeah. out. Yeah, I think in some societies there's a mindset that that wise elders put uh two people together and they expect them to to make adjustments and they uh try to look at the things that matter and then expect them to figure out how to work together, live together, and love each other. Mm. It's kind of, um, you know, Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. Exactly. It's that idea that um, you're together, and over time you grow quite fond of each other. So we have managed to get uh, a whole lot of romanticism and a whole lot of self-centeredness stirred into marriage, and it doesn't serve us very well. Yeah, it's, it's more romanticism than realism, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I, I uh, went to a wedding um, here in Utah where one of, uh, a, a leader from the LDS Church was performing the ceremony, and everyone was so excited to hear what this this leader uh, was going to say to this couple. You know, what do you say? This is the big moment. It's his grandchild. What does he say? He was. Um, what do you say to this great couple? And it was the most beautiful thing now kind of as as an adult moved on from my first years of marriage. Um, he said he marries him, has this great little ceremony. And then after, this is about as much advice as he gave. He's like, okay, you've now made the covenants. Now go make it work and work <laughs> it till you make it. And I thought, oh, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> Like, but it's like that's it. Now we just work it till we make it, and and that's very good counsel. I guess I would um, only add that the spirit of it doesn't have to be like it's scrubbing toilets. Yeah, and go scrub but, the toilets and love it, each other. The spirit of it can be, you know, I have made a bargain, and I, I, I bet you've felt it, Matt. Sometimes you just look at this person who has entrusted you with her life, and you say, goodness. What a what a sacred trust, mm. because I have such power to make her miserable or to make her happy. And she has, wow, she's just entrusted me with all that she has and is. And um, that's pretty, 
that's pretty humbling if we oh, yeah. uh, appreciate just what that person has done. I mean, that it really is. It's uh, it, it it's it is humbling. It's kind of like it, it changes the mold. The mold is not about me getting something it's it's about it's about us honoring each other and creating something out of how i like if i feel you're that special if i if i revere you that much then um i don't want to use you for my benefit yeah yeah and i don't want to reduce you to just some robot who looks after me yeah i instead want to in fact, I guess if we get really mature, we get to the point where when the we feel just a hint of irritation coming, we say, now hold it. This is the place where I get to be stretched by a person who's a little different from me mm-hmm. and, and who can make me and my life much richer. And uh, boy, that takes a lot of maturity because most of us, especially when we're irritated, we just want the the person to accommodate. But yeah. I say irritation is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to change the way we're thinking and say, hold it, hold it. I am laying my assumptions on my partner, and uh, and that probably isn't a good way to build a relationship. No, that's oh, – I love that. Okay, we got to take a break, Wally. When we come back, I really want to get into – I have a I have a question I've been dying to ask you. <laughs> about About reciprocity, and, and we'll get into it, about reciprocity love, reciprocal love, where, you know – I, I'll love you. You love me. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that because. Great. I think it's deeper than that, right? Um, and uh, we're going to get into it with Wally Goddard, a uh, great professor, and we're so lucky to have him from the University of Arkansas Extension Program. There, he's a family life professor. We'll be back about talking about change with the great Wally Goddard. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Coming up, how looking at solar flares shares something in common with your next medical x-ray. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The next time you go to a hospital to get an x-ray taken, you can thank NASA for an innovation that makes that x-ray machine better and safer to use. When NASA launched a special imager for studying solar flares, they broke new ground in how to look at x-rays from space. The imager is something like a telescope, but instead of bending and focusing visible light with glass lenses, it had to bend and focus x-rays coming from the sun. Glass doesn't cut it for this job. The lens for a solar spectroscopic imager uses complex grids of metals called collimators to do the jobs of lenses and filters. Virginia-based Microsystems worked with NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center to develop these grids and the unique methods of building them to high precision. The space probe was an outstanding success, imaging over 50,000 solar flares. But the good news for your broken bones is this grid technology is now inside hospital x-ray machines, giving it the same space-grade precision and quality while using less radiation. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to New York Times number one best-selling authors Richard and Linda Iyer as they discuss the topic they've written 25 books about, parenting in the modern world. Listen to their tips on Ayers on the Road, Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Dr. Wally Goddard from the University of Arkansas Extension Program there. He is a professor of family life, and uh, he's kind of done it all. He would never brag. He's a very humble man. But he is, he really is just phenomenal and knows his stuff. And Dr. Wally's kind of trying to walk us through this idea of change. We live in this culture of change where we think we can change everything. So why not start with our spouse? And um, he's trying to correct that with us here. Dr. Wally, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Now, here was my question for you. So I hear all of these people uh, that I'm coaching and working with, and there's just this incredible expectation that when it comes to love, it should be um, it sh- it not even just should be. It must be reciprocal. Yeah. Meaning, I you if why would I keep giving if you don't eventually give back? And it seems like that's a love that that won't necessarily last unless it changes to something else. Yeah, it's really the wrong mindset, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I, I mean, you've studied relationships, Matt, and you know that uh, that falls in that area we call exchange theory. Yeah. Where it's like you're trying to make a deal. And, you're, and the problem with it is that mindset is you're always kind of shopping. Am I getting a good return on yeah. my What's my ROI investment? here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if you don't – and anytime you start feeling like you're not getting a return on your investment, then you say, you know, I either need to have you step it up or I need to move down the road and take my investment somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And thus we have that great American uh, marriage institution called serial monogamy. <laughs> And and you marry one person at a time, but you're likely to marry several in a lifetime. And and that mindset, that whole idea that it's got to be um, this give-and-take balanced kind of thing uh, creates all kinds of mischief. Well, it's it's almost like a market economy, like where I'm expecting, you know, I, I, I'll shop around. Hello. I mean, yeah. there's other, hey, don't think there's not other ladies out there that want me. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's yeah. just, it's so, uh, what's the word? It's just... It's like I'm shopping for a hose or a tool, a garden tool. There's a a brilliant uh, psychologist named Daniel Wiley, and he says, uh, he says, you you know, there's there are unresolvable differences in every relationship. There are unresolvable differences. So you you can get mad about it and then drop out. And when you get just fed up with it and move on to another relationship, and it'll take you a few years to discover what the unresolvable differences (laughs) are in that relationship. Yeah. And you just keep doing that over and over again. And instead of developing, shall we say, character, learning how to really love and care about someone, how to negotiate differences, how to appreciate differences, Mm. or make creative use of differences, instead of that, we just keep, uh, we stay like toddlers or, shall we say, uh, self-centered teenagers who just think, I'm not getting my needs met. I'm not getting what I wanted out of this deal, so I'm moving down the road. So true. It's the me, me, me kind of mentality that you hear a lot of your kids bring up, or that's not fair kind yeah. of a mentality. <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay, if let's get into this then. If somebody's out there, that doesn't, just because we have this mentality that it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be reciprocal. It might be, because I look at it like if if your partner gets Alzheimer's, it's not going to be reciprocal. Boy, it sure isn't. But it's going to be still so incredibly valuable for you as a human, for you in a relationship, for them. 
that reciprocity is probably not the ideal. What's the higher standard then? Wow. Um, it's a little hard to describe because um, we don't really have very good language for it, but it's mm. kind of that total commitment. It's um, let, me, let me give you a personal example, yeah. Matt. This last year, I've had my own battle with cancer after a surgery, mm. and and uh, boy, I thought I was going to bounce right back and be my old self, and that didn't happen. I've been, spent a lot of last year in bed, and my dear wife has just cared for me and loved me and never complained. Now, I, I uh, can tell you what a profound effect that's had on my appreciation mm. for her. Yeah. And ironically, I believe she loves me more deeply as a result of the resources she's invested, the commitment she's made, the love she has shown. And and I'm afraid we don't understand yeah. that very oh, well. No. That there's nothing quite like sacrifice to sacralize or make sacred, make sacred a relationship. I love you know, Wally, you were close to being traded out, man. She could have just <laughs> yeah, she right. could have got a better model. Oh, easily, yeah. Taller, better looking. <laughs> the reality is though, Wally and so she, much younger. Well yeah. But she couldn't have gotten no. You guys are such a good couple and um, but there's some, so maybe that's just the sacred, right? So the sacred, it's maybe we see the, we, it's Martin Buber's content about I thou. Uh, yeah. We see the thou in them. We see this respect of honor and reverence for them. And, and let's think of a, of a metaphor. Um, and I'm guessing a lot of your readers have a, a belief in God. And, and I'd have to say, if every day when God got up, he said, now, you know, there's Matt. I wonder what I'm going to get out of the deal with him. Yeah. Am I going to get my money's worth out of Matt or out of Wally or out of, you know, Joe or Margaret or whoever it is? And the answer is consistently no. See, that's not just his method. aren't going to get a good return. And, and yet he keeps investing. And in some ways, that's what uh, sacralizing our relationships is about. It's, it's bringing that spirit of the sacred and saying that really this is about commitment, this is about investment. It's not about um, a quick return on uh, on my paltry investment. Mm. It's yeah. It's, it's just as you were giving that example. I think that's kind of more like how the mafia would do it. Uh, yeah, that's right. So you're either in a mafia marriage or you're more in a sacred <laughs> marriage. I like the sacred one better. <laughs> I like that. I had never thought yeah. of the mafia as the yeah. contrast. Mafia is the contrast, and you'll wake up with a horse head in your bed. <laughs> That's just the metaphor. Um, talk about uh, this idea, because one of the things I think some of our listeners are going to be thinking is, okay, this is all great when you found somebody that is at least in the realm of acceptable. Yeah. So when you're married to somebody that's relatively good, relatively decent, but what do you do with the person that really isn't changing but might need to change? Like true things, like uh, addictions, or just they're so disconnected, or they're unhealthy. Where does this all go there? Well, and and you know, because we accept people um, doesn't mean that we accept all their behaviors. We can. It's it's fair to be wise and to have appropriate boundaries. Like for instance, no person in a in a intimate relationship should have to bear violence. It just is not right. It just right. fundamentally breaks the contract. Um, but it doesn't mean they have to shoot their partner or uh, abandon the relationship. They can, for instance, call the sheriff and uh, set down a boundary that says, if this particular behavior ever happens again, 
um, I will depart, and until the sheriff and therapist and whoever else needs to be involved is involved, um, I will not return. Or, yeah. you know, whatever that I, – I think clearly having boundaries – is still a part of a healthy relationship and love, right? I mean, it's that's still holding that's holding yourself sacred enough that you won't be abused. Yeah, it's even yeah, respecting them enough to know that they can do better this way. Yeah, and I and I think that is a reality for some percentage of of people. For most of us, we're in the shall we say normal range yeah. where. You know, um, when we invest, when we show love, um, Steve Covey, um, bless his soul, just had a great story about a, a colleague who was always trying to change his spouse. And, and uh, he advised him, how about if you just take kind of a break from that, and for 30 days, you just love the socks off your spouse. You just enjoy them and appreciate them and thank them, and, and not only in your words, but also in your thoughts. Mm. And and when we do that, when we change that way of thinking, when we shut down the uh, evaluation filter and just turn on the appreciation stream, it uh, changes things. It changes oh. it for our partner and it changes it for us. Well, and, and then and it probably it seems like it would thin that reciprocity paradigm down, you know, this need oh, yeah. to have my needs met. You know, kind of the quid pro quo, you meet mine, I'll meet yours uh, mentality. Uh, I really, I think there's something enormous about that. And you see the research, you see it in what you're doing with the people there in Arkansas. And I mean, are we, do you get a sense we're getting closer to kind of institutionalizing these ideas in our culture? Or do you think we're slipping you know, I, I think there are uh, great forces pulling both ways, and so we see, shall we say, a divide. Uh, some people, for instance, those who uh, read really good materials, whether it's some of our materials or John Gottman's great mm. books, those who read that say, oh, oh, I've been getting it wrong. And they can, and fairly small discoveries can make very large changes in relationships. But at the same time, our culture and Hollywood and then our own egocentrism, which is part of human nature, yeah. all pull us in the opposite direction. So um, I, I, I would it's hard to say that yeah. one side is winning. I think it's a pitched battle, and uh, each of us decides in our own lives which will win, either that force for, for love and commitment or the, um, that me mindset that says, boy, i got to do something to get my needs met better than this. That's right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I'd love to have you start giving us some tools. What are some things that we can do to make sure we get our hearts in the right place? And uh, and then maybe even talk a little bit more about the marriage education movement, too, because there's some great research showing that it works, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's right. And you don't need to just give up. You can get educated. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be back with Dr. Wally Goddard, from the University of Arkansas Extension, you're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on K. Uh, sorry, Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Thanks to a vote today, House Speaker John Boehner is keeping his job for another two years, despite some dissatisfaction with his handling of recent fiscal cliff negotiations that many Republicans feel Boehner caved on. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is set to return to work next week after receiving treatment for a blood clot in her head that formed after she sustained a concussion last month. Her doctors say she will make a full recovery. Following the dangerous grounding of a Shell oil rig on the Alaskan shore earlier this week, environmental protection groups are calling on the Obama administration to postpone drilling in the area to reassess the risks involved. Following last month's horrific shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, kids from Sandy Hook Elementary School attended their first day of classes since the attack this morning at a previously closed middle school that has been converted for the younger children. Subaru is recalling upwards of 630,000 of their vehicles due to a potential lighting problem that can cause the vehicles to begin smoking or catch on fire, according to U.S. safety authorities. A prominent Pakistani militant leader has been killed by a U.S. drone strike. Mullah Nazir was a supporter of the Taliban efforts in Afghanistan, but was seen as a peacekeeper in his own country. His death could further strain U.S.-Pakistani relations. Syrian rebel forces are moving in on a key air base in an effort to reduce the Assad regime's ability to launch airstrikes on opposition-friendly cities and towns and hopefully save civilian lives. 27 Shiite pilgrims returning from a religious rite were killed today when a suicide car bomber targeted the bus station they were at in an Iraqi city about 40 miles from the capital, Baghdad. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Little David Bowie for you. Change by David Bowie. Uh, we're talking about change, and uh, we've been joking a little bit about the fact that, boy, there's no one easier to change than everyone else in your life. If we could just get everyone else to change, my life would be so much better. Uh, however, they'd be working on you as well, so nothing would stay the same. We're talking with our guest, Dr. Wally Goddard, H. Wally Goddard, H. Wallace Goddard. I call him Dr. Wally. I don't even know if he likes that. But uh, he is he really is the best at educating and teaching couples about healthy relationships. He's from the University of Arkansas Extension Program. Dr. Wally, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. Really is an honor to have you on. And uh, again, 41 years married to the same incredible wife, Nancy. Yep, she's amazing. See, she's got what we call in my business stick to she does. She has just stuck with it. She has just put up with it, hasn't she, Wally? She has year after year, and I'm grateful. Well, and you're you guys. I you you really are a great couple because uh, one of the things that I think is probably a key to this change idea, instead of trying to change our wives, is something that I think you model every time you've been on the show. You model the exact same thing of you. You truly revere her. Oh, I do. Yeah, and I think, you know, Matt, that ties to something that um, that John Gottman discovered, which is men have a tendency to think, oh, you know, my wife doesn't quite get it. She's not quite on top of it. And as a result, we don't accept influence. And that, he said, is a key in marital satisfaction, that when men accept influence from their wives, instead of diminishing, hmm. instead of uh, somehow 
filtering what they say and say, you know, they're not quite logical. Yeah, they don't understand. Informed, mm-hmm. Or, yeah, they don't get it. Instead of that, we say, well, and, and it's a process sometimes we learn. It's not just something we talk ourselves into, but if we stop and pay attention and listen, boy, my wife is so practical and wise and sensible and sensitive. She's tuned in to the people around us. And when I listen, I'm a better man for it. That is, that's, that's critical. Yeah. And we're not, and men just kind of, in his research, he just finds we're just not very good at that. Yep, we don't accept influence. We we have a tendency, like humans in general, yeah. men in particular, to think we're right and we get it. Well, duh. So, <laughs> and if we're not a radio personality, we don't. We don't. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it really is interesting because um, I really feel that's a huge deal. And, and what must that be like to live with us when you're almost always half right? Yeah. When you're always almost being... smart enough. Yeah, you're always being told, well, that's not quite it, dear. You didn't quite get it, or you don't understand this. And uh, that underscores that process that was discovered in the, as a contrast to change, which is the key word that's used is acceptance. Hmm. Acceptance. Valuing what your partner is, and, and not, just, not just tolerating yeah. it, but coming to celebrate it, coming to say, you know, like, for instance, Nancy is probably less shall we say, innovative than I am, but she's more practical. <laughs> and she's so tuned to the people around us. And uh, wow, I can say, well, honey, you're just not very innovative. Or I can cherish that uh, gift that Nancy brings that she's so far ahead of me. Yeah. So it, acceptance is the process that... Uh, and there's actually another way of describing it, Matt. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the work that Sandra Murray did, but she she says that in healthy relationships, there are active, positive illusions going both ways. Positive illusions. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I do, too. I just love that idea. It's kind of, you know, we've all made fun of Pollyanna. It turns out she was right. Right. That when we look for the good and we dwell on it and we define it mentally as the important stuff, as the key stuff, as the as just the reality of who my partner is, it just makes us happier and it makes them happier. Well, either way, we have illusions. It's just it's either true. it's either reactive negative illusions or active yeah. positive illusions. Yeah, it's a myth that we are truly objective. We right. like to think we are. And uh, boy, sometime we ought to talk, Matt, about the. We, our team here has identified about eight of the well-researched uh, biases in human perception that keep us from seeing each other accurately. turns Ooh. out we're all pretty much victims to the stories we tell ourselves. And so if we choose instead of, instead of evaluating our partner through that lens of what's good for me, if we, just, if we really listen to them and pay attention to them and celebrate what they are, it just makes life better for both. Okay, we're, we're going to do a show on those. So th- those are the eight human kind of distortions we do? Yeah, distortions. That's a good word for it. I love that. Okay, get, just give me one. i got to taste this. Well, w- one of them is uh, what's called naive realism. Naive realism says, you know, um, I can see bias in everybody. Everybody has kind of um, blinders on or muddy glasses or see-through mm-hmm. glass darkly, however you choose to say it. Or everybody has uh, imperfect vision and understanding. Um, everybody that is, um, except for me. Uh, I <laughs> Everyone it. else. And the problem is, of course, our bias keeps us from seeing our own bias, yeah. our own distortions. 
And so as a result, we uh, believe that uh, each of us tends to believe we're the only ones who see things as they really are. And you can imagine what kind of mischief that creates oh. in relationships. Oh, my heavens. That is so good. And, and then, and then, we'll, then the neat thing about being human is you can just – your brain's smart enough to go start looking for evidence or oh, making yeah. it up. <laughs> See, you're taking us to the next one. Oh, is that that? Confirmation bias. Oh, I love confirmation it. Confirmation bias is when anything disagrees with what we already believe, we scrutinize it, we evaluate it, and we ultimately set it aside because we only want stuff that confirms what we believe. Yeah. And that tends to be true in religions, in politics, and also in relationships. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> Why would our mind let us do this? It seems like it's, it's walking us down to a death trap. Well, it is. Some would say that it's self-serving and self-protective to have these um, biases that keep us looking after ourselves. Okay, yeah. Um, and, and on some level it is, but if we want to live all by ourselves on an island right. in the Pacific, then it'll be a lot more useful than if we actually want to interact with other people. It's almost like the brain doesn't care really about the long-term relationship. It, yeah. It's just about making sure you don't get eaten by the tiger. Exactly. Oh, I love that. And so they they can serve well the purpose of survival, but when survival isn't the biggest issue in our lives, when instead companionability and love and understanding and sharing uh, press forward to the key issues, then then you know maybe survival ought to be set aside and some of these biases need to be tamed. Mm. Good stuff, Wally. Tell me, what's some more things we can do about getting our heart in the right place? We've talked about our mind. Uh, what, how do we get this shift in our heart to kind of find the sacred instead of the mafia approach to marriage? Boy, and you, you, you said it well, that shift in our mind or heart, it's, it is in some ways a change of heart that causes us to start experiencing the world differently, not only thinking about it differently, but feeling about it differently. So, for instance, one of the things that's clearly researched is people in healthy relationships wear rose-colored glasses. Mm. And they tend to believe that when good things happen, they say, this is it. This is what's real about our marriage. This is the good stuff and the real stuff. This is what defines us. When bad stuff happens, they say, oh, it's temporary. It'll go away. I mean, it's just happened for 20 years. It'll go away. And, and that is a, well, you could call it a bias, but it happens to be a relationship-serving bias instead of a self-serving bias. It's the choice. It's okay to have rose-colored glasses. On it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's healthier in a way than, I guess, because it forces you to see, uh, to, to try to choose the healthiest view. That's right. That's hmm. right. It's interesting. You'd almost think, again, bias is a weakness, yet... It's. I guess. I guess everyone has that though. Grandmas always think their grandkids are spotless, <laughs> and they're supposed to. It's their job. That's right. What if grandma always had a vendetta against you? And so, what Sandra Murray has taught us in her research is positive illusions are essential for healthy relationships. If you want a healthy relationship, then dwell on the good. Think about it. Even institutionalize it by putting, you know, maybe you put pictures up on your desk at work or in your wallet. You put pictures that remind you of those defining moments, those sweet times that that really are the very best. I mean, we have a tendency to think that defining moments are those that are terrible, and that's what we have to be aware of and deal with. Hmm. But maybe that's just backwards. Maybe the reality is defining moments are the finest, the sweetest, the best that ever happened. And when we dwell on that, it gets better. 
I think that's interesting. Is is that the same research where they 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 ask? Oh no, I think that was Gottman. Where they ask people to describe their wedding or their wedding, how oh, yeah. their engagement, and depending how they described it determines it's pretty statistically accurately how long they'll be married. Yeah, when they do an interview and ask people to describe what first attracted them to their partner, what was it about Nancy that drew you, Wally? <laughs> and and the way people tell that story, the story of first encounter and beginning relationship, um, they can predict with a very high 94% yeah. approximately reliability which relationships will last and which will not. Because the way we think about, talk about, remember, and incidentally, Matt, that's another of the biases, is is the memory bias. We all retell the stories in our own minds, and we distort them and change them over time without even realizing we've done it. Mm. And again, we think we're very objective when, in fact, we're always revising them. And if we revise them in a sympathetic, a kind, a loving, appreciative way, then we have stronger relationships. Oh, isn't that that that's it? it, it normally, we would uh, revise the bias or the memory based on supporting me. But if I do it in a way that shows a kinder, gentler partner, partner, that's yeah. a good sign that uh, I guess that you're in the positive illusion. And I guess we need to add the caveat that this doesn't mean that you always uh, label yourself as stupid and wrong and mistaken. That's not right, what no. we're inviting people to do. We're not saying, yeah, my partner's always right and I'm always dumb. It's not that at all. It's saying there's an important part of the truth that my partner brings, and if I listen, I'll be richer and our relationship will be better. And and that's really what um, what I think the research is saying. Does this transcend marriage and kind of intimate relationships? Does it get in? Does this equate in the business life? Because we've got to be having these same errors, these same these same issues at work. Actually, there's a very good research on positivity in work relationships, and it turns out that uh, at least as currently measured, that having three positives for each negative is the mark of a productive team. So if you want stronger teams, I mean, some people assume that the way to motivate is sternly hold people accountable and, you know, really keep uh, close tabs on what people accomplish. Right. And, and actually, the, the mark of uh, strong teams is that three positives for each negative. Is that like Gottman's five to one? It is. It's very much like that. And, and Barbara Fredrickson compares the two. And I don't know how much that difference is because of the different ways it's measured or that in an intimate relationship it has to be even more positive. I don't think uh, the research tells us that yet. Huh. But, yes, that's very much like the five-to-one that Gottman talks about in marriage. So if we're, if we're at work and we've had a negative experience, we can't just assume one positive apology is going to get rid of the negative. Yeah, especially not one of those grudging, well, yeah. you know, I'm sorry I knocked you down and threw you down the stairs. Yeah, I didn't mean I to steal your job and week. your wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <sighs> it, takes, it takes instead a change of heart, as you described mm-hmm. earlier, that, that, that whole-souled feeling of, oh, my goodness, you know, I have just run over this person with my preferences, my way of thinking, and I have dishonored them. And we can go to them truly humbly and compassionately and invite them to to re-engage with us in a positive way. Oh, powerful. Uh, now, Wally, tell us this. Uh, um, we, we've got a few more minutes, maybe three more minutes or so, but what, um, what, what are you learning? And this is, I think it's really important now that you've had your bout with cancer and you've seen probably more clearly what a relationship's really for. 
than probably the rest of us that are still caught up in maybe just, I don't know, the trivial part of our lives. Um, what's, what's the thing? What, what is the one thing? You know, I, I guess, Matt, I, I would say that love is more a decision than a feeling. And um, in, a, in the United States, we especially like to think that love is a feeling you feel you're going to feel when you feel you're going to feel a feeling that you never felt before. <laughs> and, and instead of that, the more mature way to think about it is it's a commitment we make. It, it's when I promise, you know, God, angels, and witnesses, and I say, I will be the person who, more than any other on the face of this earth, not only serves you, Nancy, but sees your qualities and, and will more gladly celebrate them and talk about them and be grateful for them than anyone else ever in your life. And wow, when we make that kind of decision, that commitment, then that, I think, is an enduring love that survives the vagaries of, of mood and bad experiences and challenges because we have uh, made our commitment and we stand by it. Well, that's – and it's – they're so usually tied – to religious ceremonies, right? So it's it's there's something that you said about kind of trying to love the way God would love. God's not going to sit there and just try to get you to perform today and what have you done for me? Are you profitable or not? Let's get you going. He's going to just be there. Yeah, that's right. And when we um, become, shall we say, God-like, when we, um, like He, invest and just are committed then, um, boy, we see the results in healthy relationships. Mm. That is a great goal, isn't it? You know, I, uh, I, I'd, I'm here to say it uh, bears sweet fruit as well, because um, when we just decide, you know, this isn't about me reforming my partner. This is about us enjoying each other and enjoying life. It just gets so darn good you can't believe it. Yeah, it does. And—, and and it's it probably even like gets kind of in a different it's a different level of good. It's yeah. not just kind of based on uh wonderful I don't know benefits. It's it's based on something con- deeper, connection, intimacy, closeness. Yeah. It's rich, it's um lasting, it's deep, it's enduring. It's just a different kind of relationship. And and of course, as we've said, this is the very antithesis of what we um, banty about in our American culture. It isn't sure. what Hollywood portrays. It's rather that kind of solid, enduring, uh, character-building commitment that uh, really lasts. I love it. Uh, and But then, you know, then she still burns the rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and yep, you don't even uh, care. You're like, whatever. Give me one of those burnt. And if Nancy rolls. made as many mistakes as I did, um, I'd be surprised. So. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would like burn the house. That's down. where that humility thing comes into play. Is when <sighs> you say, you know, I don't know why her uh, mistakes would bother me more than my own. I, yeah. I remember a man who said to his wife, you know, dear, um, you have so many faults, and she said, well, you do too, and he said, yeah, but they don't bother me like yours do. <laughs> and and that's kind of the human challenge is to. Instead of just being irritated with other people's faults, we have some compassion for them and even a little compassion for ourselves. And with patience, we move forward with a sense of humor and a strong resolve. Oh, I love that. Well, Wally, you did it again. How can they reach the extension there? How can they get more information about the University of Arkansas's program? You know, we have more resources than you can count on our website. If people go to www.ar for Arkansas, ARfamilies.org. 
org, arfamilies.org. They'll find all kinds of stuff. And we're under the Family Life tab. Click there and you'll find parenting materials and couple relationships and personal well-being. And uh, we are glad to share with anybody who can find it useful. And they can also find uh, your blog and other information at drwally.org. Yes, I, I also post things there, and we also have a weekly email they can sign up for at our website. Too. Oh, great. So Perfect. we're just trying to get good stuff out there to help people. Well, it's working. You're doing great, Wally. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. We're going to have you back, and we're going to have to go through all of those eight human biases. Boy, they're fascinating, and we oh. all got them. Love you, brother. Take care. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Good stuff. Wally Goddard really is hes the real deal, I'm telling you. As an outsider, I've seen it. I've seen him with his family. I've seen him with Nancy. He's the real deal, my friends. Come back. Join us. We're going to wrap up the show right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new internet gadget gives you a feel for tomorrow's weather. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The branch of computer science called haptics is all about the sense of touch and using that sense to interact with computers in cyberspace, like the vibrating game controller in your hands that lets you feel bumps in a virtual road. Rob Godshaw, a student at the Rochester Institute of Technology, recently built a haptic device that's a pretty cool way to answer the age-old question, will I need to wear my coat tomorrow? Most of us make do with reading a forecast or looking at a numerical readout from a thermometer, which are both visual ways to get the data we want. Godshaw's device is called a cryoscope, and instead of your eyes, it uses your hand as a haptic sensor to tell your brain what a certain temperature feels like by feeling an aluminum cube that heats or cools to match tomorrow's internet weather forecast. The device takes into account humidity, wind chill, and the properties of the aluminum material. And even though it's just a prototype, it certainly gives us a feel of how we might interact with data in the future. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about change, and our own Rob Sanders has been thinking about everything we've been talking about on the show today, especially the part about how we can't change other people. Now, while he may not be able to relate relationally to some of the things we've been talking about, like marriage and stuff like that, Rob tells me he still understands. As I drive to work each day, I drive past this used car lot. Okay, let's see what we've got here. An old Mercury with faded paint. Oh, look what happened to that minivan. The fender is all smashed in. And my years of used car ownership has taught me one thing. 
No matter who buys that Windstar, that dent is going to be on it forever. When buying a car, there are things I can fix and things I think I can fix. And theoretically, it is possible, but really never get around to fixing. Life just doesn't let you. And when it comes to relationships, this analogy has some mileage. No pun intended. Look at these cars going by. A Suzuki's never going to be a German luxury car. That convertible sports car going by, it'll never be a fuel-sipping hybrid, no matter how gingerly the driver is with the throttle. How about that Toyota Yaris? Doesn't matter how many people you pack in the back seat, it'll never be a Suburban. And it's true of people. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions, but for the most part, somebody growing up in a well-connected Wall Street family in Connecticut probably isn't going to want to move to a fixer-upper in northern Idaho and spend every weekend entering demolition derbies. The truth is, it's just that person's plant of origin. It's who they are. They have 20, 30, 40 years of living a certain lifestyle, and you can't change it. It's practically in their DNA. Well, sometimes it's even literally in their DNA. Some people are tall, some people are short, some people are big, some people are anorexically thin. It just is the frame of the car, person, analogy. You know what I mean. So what about the stuff we can fix? With cars, it's all about maintenance. Yes, I can change a bad set of tires. Redo the brakes. Welcome to Clean Getaway Car Wash. Thank you for visiting. Please proceed to sit here and scrub away all the stuff that's making you feel bad about yourself. Yes, maintenance washes away the grime and makes things look as valuable as they truly are. Scrub all your troubles away. Now, if that's not an analogy, I don't know what is. Well, the truth of the matter is a woman can't change who I am significantly. Now, if she's willing to officially pair off with me, she's welcome to dress me up however she likes. Any shirt, any shoes, any new set of tires, figuratively speaking. Now, in turn, I won't be able to change her. You know, she might be willing to do her hair in a way that's attractive to me. Insert some kind of car analogy here. The point is this. We can only boost one another's self-worth, and in turn, we can only shift our own expectations in the other person. I remember one summer driving around in this 25-year-old Suburban that was permanently connected to a trailer that summer. Oh, slow. It was hard to park. It guzzled gas. But after three or four days, I changed my expectations. I had a lot of fun. It's kind of fun driving a trailer through a drive-thru or learning to swing wide in the supermarket parking lot and take four or five spaces. I couldn't change the car, but I could change what I expected from the car, and I ended up having a lot of fun. So now's the part where I tie this back into relationships. And I can't, because I'm currently without a romantic relationship. So I guess in a figurative sense, I've got to go wait for the bus. Wow, that's profound. That was great. How was the bus ride? <laughs> uh, that is, it really is a good metaphor. I mean, it breaks down in a few places. Well, for one, objectification of people yeah. as objects you that you purchase. That. But, well, and I don't know what the dents and the dings have to do with the metaphor of the person flaws. you're married to. Character flaws. Yeah. Not you, taking are you out the tell, trash, that's a dent. Okay, you wait till you tell your wife she's got a dent or a ding. <laughs> 
I, I'll, I will never do that. Attaboy. That was really good. What'd you learn, Bryce? Um, you know, there's there's some things that are just wrong, and there's some things that just aren't worth fixing. That's kind of what I got from it, because yeah. I, I have only driven used cars, and that's kind of what it comes down to. when you, The car, it does weird things. Yeah. You know what? It's just not worth it to fix it. If your relationship gets totaled, you have to get a divorce. All I right. just am trying to figure out why you couldn't take the trailer off. <laughs> well, it's just... It of was... the Suburban. <laughs> I, I, the tr- you want the honest truth? I was lazy. Okay. <laughs> I thought it like it. I we don't were, know. I thought it was we were emptying out a storage unit, and and I'd have to connect it every day, and I thought, this isn't worth it. I'll just tow no. the thing around town. Just drive it to the drive-in. <laughs> so it was circumstantially fused to the back of yeah. that, not literally. I was literally. trying to write. I was trying to write something interesting. You See? have to embellish a little bit. Lazy will get you nowhere, Robbie. Well, that's good. Good learnings today, folks. A great show. Uh, again, we're not going to try to change anyone. Except, again, your boss and your, I don't know if I'm your boss, whatever I am, I can change you guys. Or to, you can try. You can you can try. <sighs> You're going to keep it that way. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to get ugly after the show. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, probably the highlights, I guess, of the week, the best shows of the week. Is that right, Robbie? Both of them. Both of the best shows. I'm going to go with this one. Today was a good show. You're the best. Thanks for joining us, folks. We will be back giving you more tools right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Join us uh, on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.